Welcome to week one of Relationships Biblical Strategies. Relationships are so important. Jesus was once asked what the greatest commandment is. He said, love God, that's number one, but the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we have an enemy, a very real enemy who knows how important relationships are and tries to whisper bad strategies to us. Go read your Bible, you only have to get to page three before they, they, they start blaming each other, before they start hiding from each other. By Genesis four, they're killing each other. Like relationships just get bad in a hurry. And ever since we have felt the fallout of these bad strategies for relationships, it leads to breakups and bitterness and baggage and all sorts of difficult things. But there's good news. The world may have a bunch of bad strategies for relationships, but we've got biblical strategies for relationships. So in the next four weeks, we wanna dive deep into the Word of God and, and look at how God tells us to do relationships. We wanna do relationships God's way. And so that's the goal. But if you know me, you might be thinking, Ryan, that's great. Why are you on stage right now? It's a good question. I've been single my entire life. I would say actually that's exactly why I'm on stage for week one of this series. It's time to talk about singleness and dating. Now, 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 I just lost a whole bunch of you. I felt it in the room. If you're married, you're going, we should just beat the traffic. Not true. If you are married, this sermon is for you for two reasons. The, the, the first is I hear, I'm not married, but I hear you're supposed to continue dating your spouse. Like never stop pursuing your spouse. Maybe today is the day as I go through the, these, these principles that you ask the question, am I still doing that? Am I still pursuing my spouse? Maybe today's the day that you re-up on that. But number two, you may not be single, but I bet you know someone who is. 56% of Austin is single. Wherever you're watching from online, first you're like, I need to move to Austin. <laughs> two, your number may not be that high in your city, but I bet it's up there. I bet you know somebody who is single. I bet you have a, a kid who is single or a parent who is single or a niece or a nephew or a neighbor who is single. And, and one thing you may have realized is that you've tried to approach them and talk to them about your, their singleness and maybe you were approached with a little resistance, like a little anger, or maybe they just shut down. So here's the truth. If you've been married for a long time, the dating world looks completely different than it did when you were dating. It's just true, the whole ethos around dating has changed. And so this sermon is for you. I wanna help you talk to us. Let me teach you how to, how to talk to us and in turn talk to your kids or whoever it is uh, about singleness and about dating. Now, if you are single, whether you are single and content with it or you're single and looking or maybe you just got into a dating relationship and that's new to you, let's be honest, singleness and dating is a journey. It's like a road that you are on and there are all sorts of wrong turns that you can take and bad strategies you can take along the way. You ever taken a wrong turn and your Maps app is just like, that wasn't it at all. What are we doing? I gotta reroute you now, right? Here in Austin, we have these things called frontage roads. And so when you turn in or when you miss your, your turn, you don't just have to take like one turn, you have to go all the way back around and then back around and then you end up being late for a church. It's a whole thing. Pray for us. That's what it's like in the singleness and dating journey. So what we need are guardrails. But then I thought, no, we're talking about biblical strategies. So we don't just need guardrails, we need Godrails. And so if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Godrails for Singleness and Dating. Lord, help us. Father, we wanna do this your way. 
And so we give you this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You guys can take a seat. Before we get into God rails for singleness and dating, I have a fun announcement to make. Three years ago, almost to the day, I stood up on the stage and preached a sermon called Flip the Script on Singleness. Now, this was a big moment for me because I've been a single pastor for over a decade, and in the early years, singleness was my greatest insecurity in my ministry. I always felt like there was something wrong with me, so I never wanted to talk about it. But through a long series of uh, events, I actually got to a point where I realized, no, it's not a place I should be insecure about. It's actually an arena that I can speak into with authority. By the way, the way the enemy works is he'll often take your place of greatest strength and try to convince you it's your place of greatest weakness. Sermon for another day, but if you're wondering why you're on this planet, don't run away from your insecurities, run through your insecurities. So I get up on the stage, I preach a sermon called Flip the Script on Singleness, and I start to realize I actually have a lot to say about this topic. And so I go home that night, and I start working on and writing a book. Now at first, I thought the book was just gonna be like a, a fun guide to make single people laugh a little bit and help them at like Thanksgiving dinner with their extended family, you know what I mean? But then I kept writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting and I ended up writing like three different versions of the book and taking these early morning walks and, and, and it felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to, to some of the, the deeper places to ask some of the, the, the harder questions in, in my soul and what emerged, I believe, is an absolute weapon for anyone who's ever felt alone, anyone who's ever felt like there's something wrong with them or just anybody who wants to be single the way Jesus was single in a world that preaches anything but that. And so on April 23rd, my first book, Single Today, will be available everywhere books are sold. And uh, I didn't wanna do this part, but Doug and Ethan are making me. So here it goes. Look, loneliness and isolation is now officially an epidemic. As of May 2nd of last year, there are hundreds of millions of Americans who report being single on a regular basis. I wanna get this book to them. Like, as I've been writing over the last three years, I keep picturing that person on their couch who, who is, like, feeling stuck and feeling stagnant and just doom-scrolling through social media and feeling like they can't get back up on their feet. This book will help them get back up on their feet, but we got to get it to them. And, and so what I'm asking for is two things. One, um, on Tuesday, I'm going to share it with the world, with a trailer. If you could help me share that, get the word out about it, that would be amazing. Number two is this. Here's how the, the book world works. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of them, they, they're gonna put all of their money behind the books they know are gonna make them money. That's how the world just works, it's business, and that's fine. It makes it really hard for a first-time author like me to get noticed, and so there's a, a, a gap there. We gotta bridge that gap. The way we bridge that gap is by getting a whole bunch of pre-orders for the, for the book. So we live in a day and age where it's like, I wanna order a book and have it on my doorstep in like two hours. Why would I pre-order a book two months before? If you're going to read this book anyways or order copies for your friends who need it, it would be helpful and strategic for you to, to pre-order it this week. That way we can get the snowball effect rolling and get this book to the, the, the people who need it most. Man, it's gonna help people face their past, face yesterday, and actually heal from, from yesterday and invite God into those spaces and then surrender tomorrow. Because how many know some of the hardest parts about being single are worrying? Like, is this going to be a forever thing? And, and, and is there something wrong with me? And like, this is the big one. Somebody comes up to you and they go, hey, do you have the gift of singleness? And you're like, gift? 
That feels, that feels anything but a gift to, to me, right? And, and like I've had so many times where I've been helping people take like a spiritual assessment and, and, and I'll, I'll see them and they'll be like shaking, like please not singleness, please not singleness, please not singleness. And if I could just put your, your mind at ease, if you have a deep desire to be married, you don't have the gift of singleness. It's called a gift for a reason. But I also know this, your singleness is a gift today. That today you have an opportunity to step into and embrace your singleness. I believe there is an extra grace on single people. And so today you have the opportunity to learn from the Holy Spirit and to meet with God and to step into your purpose. I wanna help you do that. I wanna help the world do that. That's all I'm gonna say about that, church. I love you. You ready to talk about some guardrails for singleness and dating? All right, let's go. Revelation chapter 19. Oh, I'm serious. <laughs> Revelation 19, if you're looking for it, it's the last book in the Bible. The last four chapters of Revelation are this epic conclusion of this story. And so 30 seconds on the big narrative of scripture real quick. It starts in a garden. It starts Genesis one and two with heaven and earth being together, God being with us. But then in Genesis three, everything breaks and a separation is formed. And for thousands of years, men and women tried to bridge that gap and nobody's able to do it. Uh, I, I love when people come up to me and they go, actually, there's like lots of ways up the mountain. I go, yeah, you're right, and none of them work. Because when you're trying to save yourself, you're still stuck with yourself. That's the beauty of the Bible. The beauty of the gospel message is we were never going to be able to save ourselves to begin with. But God, in the greatest act of love the world has ever recorded, because he so loved us, he sent his son for us. The, the whole message of the gospel is we don't have to get up the mountain because Jesus came down the mountain to come get us. Now, what we see in Revelation 19 is the celebration of that moment finally happening at some point in the future. Ryan, when's it gonna happen? I have no idea. Revelation 19 and verse six. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah. That word hallelujah, the combination of two Hebrew words, halal, which means uh, praise, and Yah, Yahweh, the personal name for God. And so literally praise God, praise the Lord, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Do you know that whatever happens in 2024, our Lord God Almighty will continue to reign? That's good news. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding, underline that word, of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So anytime you see lamb in Revelation, it's referring to Jesus. He is the picture of the sacrificial lamb who lays down his life for us so that we can go free. And what we see here is a, a wedding uh, of heaven and earth coming together again once and for all. What we see is a picture of Jesus and all of us who put our faith in Jesus and make Jesus the Lord of our life and you see a celebration picture of the moment that that happens. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. I love that verse because you ever gotten invited to a wedding and your first thought is, ah, I got nothing to wear. 
I don't have time to go find another outfit. I don't, I don't wanna mess up the whole color scheme. Oh my goodness, this is so stressful, right? The Bible's like, hey, we got you covered. We got you covered. In fact, all throughout scripture, it talks about being robed in righteousness. Think about the prodigal son coming home to his dad, preparing his speech. God, I, dad, I, I messed up so much. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And the dad runs out to him. What does he do? He's like, we gotta get that robe back on you. We gotta remind you that this was never about what you do. This is about who you are. You are my son and you are robed in righteousness. Verse nine, then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. The wedding supper of the lamb. Remember, the lamb is Jesus. And supper is a word they use in parts of the country to say dinner. This is a table. And it's so fitting, isn't it? Like, like all throughout scripture, God's always inviting us back to the table. In the book of Exodus, when God brings the people out of slavery and into freedom, and he calls them to remember on repeat, what does he say? Sit down and have the Passover meal. Come back to the table and remember my faithfulness. When Jesus is reaching out to tax collectors like Matthew or Zacchaeus, guys who feel completely unqualified to be a part of what he's doing in this world, and they go, I don't know, Jesus, you, you may have the wrong guy. What does he do? He goes, no, we're going to your place. We're gonna have some dinner. We're gonna sit down at the table and I'm gonna remind you that you're loved. And then of course, the night he was betrayed, the night that he filled in so many of, of the gaps for us in this grand narrative, this amazing story of the Bible, where does he do it? Around a table, we call it the Last Supper. Some people for some reason thought they were all sitting on one side of the table. I don't think that's how it went. It's only ever been about the table. And so I love that at the end of all of this, we will find ourselves back at a table, but not just any table. This is the wedding supper of the lamb. This is a wedding celebration where we'll eat good food and we'll dance and we'll celebrate and we'll make toast to all of the kingdom work we got to do this side of eternity. I love what the verse says. Blessed are all those who are invited to it. Sums up the heartbeat for Red Rocks right there. In case you're wondering what kind of church you're in, we wanna invite as many people as possible to the wedding celebration of the Lamb. We want those tables to be full and full, like pulling out more tables because heaven gets more crowded the more that we invite people to the party. I love that the picture though is a wedding because here's my frustration with how we talk about singleness in the church. I love that we talk about it. I just feel that, that oftentimes we think too small about it, too temporary uh, uh, about it, when really what we need to do is anchor our hope in the eternal mindset that there is a wedding coming. The real wedding that's coming is this wedding supper of the Lamb. This is what we're all heading towards. And when you put your, your hope and you anchor your hope in temporary it's great and it can be helpful, but it's powerless when it comes to dealing with deep loneliness and isolation. If you're single, you're gonna need something stronger than that. You're gonna have to anchor your hope in eternity. You're gonna have to anchor your hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back and we have purpose to live on purpose to invite as many people as possible there. Now, when we get our hope there, we start to move forward and you may recognize somebody else who also has their hope anchored in that moment and you might realize that you work really well together and that you can invite more people together and that you should get married. And when that happens, we celebrate that. 
uh, to the one who is here and single and has a deep desire to be married or a deep desire to have a family, my goodness. You know that's from God, right? You know right from the beginning of scripture it says it's not good for us to be alone. Marriage is God's idea. Like this wedding is God's idea from the beginning. And so you get your hope, you anchor your hope in eternity into where we're, we're heading and then along the way you just start praying God and if there is somebody to run this race with, would you highlight them for me? Would you bring them into my life? That's a good, pure, God-honoring prayer. And by the way, we're with you in that. We're praying for you in that we want that for you. See, when you do that, it gives your singleness purpose. You begin to realize that, that, that um, your purpose is not just to somehow figure out a way to get married. Your purpose begins today. Your purpose begins now. Your purpose is to make heaven more crowded. And so the, the, the first guardrail for singleness and dating, because let's be real, it can be so easy to crash, is purpose. It's like this. Hey, single people, let, let's chat. You ever get that question at Christmas from the well-meaning uncle? You're so great. Why are you still single? Why, I just thought you're so awesome. Why, why are you still single? By the way, the reason that's hard for us, the reason we crash when we hear that question is because we don't know a lot of the time. We're like, I don't know, I guess there's a deeper rooted issue that I still don't know about, you know? And I know that you mean that as a compliment, but it's the most backhanded compliment in the world. I used to hate getting asked that question. Now I love it because I put this guardrail of purpose up in my singleness. I know why I'm single. I have an answer to that question. I actually know why. Hey, I've actually, I, this, is how, this is what I say, and you can cater it to, to, to fit your own life. I go, actually, I've been a single pastor for over a decade now. I know it's a really uh, interesting calling, but it allows me to get in and speak to people through some of the loneliest times of their life, and so I actually love it. See, I use that question, why are you still single, as a doorway into evangelism. And I go, well, ready or not, you asked, so I'm gonna tell you about it. <laughs> it's a guardrail for me. I have purpose in my singleness. But it's not just purpose, is it? You can have purpose and still crash. We need a, a second guardrail for singleness and dating, and it's this, is holiness. Because here's the deal, Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, God writes, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do once we're married. Oh wait. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it doesn't say that. You are God's handiwork today, created in Christ Jesus today, to do good works today, which God prepared in advance for us to do today. Hey, single people, do you know that you're not on hold until you get married? You ever call like your insurance company and they're like, oh yeah, we'll for sure send you the money we promised you. We just gotta put you on hold real quick, you know? And then you sit there and you just hear that elevator music like dun, 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 dun. and somebody walks past your desk and they're like, hey, are you busy right now? And you go, oh, sorry, I'm busy, I'm on hold. And dun, 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 dun. Like somehow we feel productive because we're on hold, you know? So often I feel like that's a picture of single people in the church. God comes by and goes, hey, I've got something for you to do. You ready to step into it? The next chapter of your life, you're ready to go make heaven more crowded, and we're just going, dun, 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 dun. sorry, 
I'm on hold right now. Hey, maybe once I'm married, I can begin my ministry. As one of your pastors, can I say from a place of authority, I'm really glad Jesus didn't wait until he was married to begin his ministry. Hey, I'm really glad the Apostle Paul didn't wait until he was married to begin his ministry. You know, they were single, and yet they were living on purpose and with holiness. You can do the same thing, you just have to put these two guardrails up. You need purpose and you need holiness. I love how the writer of Hebrews talks about holiness. Let's go Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's purpose and it's holiness. Hey, there's a reason why Paul was single. Real talk, it's not so he could play video games all day and watch porn all night. I hear it all, all the time, oh, I'm just living that Paul life. Like, no, you're not. Your life doesn't look anything like Paul's life. Paul, with purpose and holiness, was straining forward toward the upward call of knowing Christ Jesus. That's why he was single. He was just single because he was running his race. Like, there's a reason Paul was single. It wasn't so he could just binge watch reality TV all night while you doom scroll through TikTok videos. Paul was single with holiness and purpose as his God rails, moving forward to make heaven more crowded. Hey, there's a reason Paul was single. It wasn't so he could just go out to Sixth Street every other night and have meaningless hookups like the world tells you to do. Which, by the way, is the greatest oxymoron known to man. No such thing as a meaningless hookup. It's destroying your soul, waging war against the abundant life God has for you. It's difficult to see it while you're in it. I promise you, you learn to get out of it. You get some biblical strategies back into your singleness. You get holiness and purpose up. You watch how your life starts to be more vivid and full of the abundant life Jesus came to bring. Here's my challenge. Be here next week. Doug's talking about sex. Now, we were laughing yesterday, and I said, I, I, I almost don't wanna tell them that, because then they won't show up. But I just feel like Red Rocks is past that point. I just feel like we're ready to go. No, we just want the truth, because we know that the truth will set us free. And so be here next week. Here's the, here's the, the, the promise. There will be not a spirit of fear here that we will be praying against a spirit of condemnation all week. We will be praying not shame on you, but shame off of you. As Doug presents a gospel-saturated view of the gift of sex that, that God created for us to experience in the covenant of marriage. And the scandal of grace that says, and everything from the past, you have an opportunity to, to be washed whiter than snow. And if from here you begin to step forward and walk forward, you will begin to step into this new life. Doug said, tell them this, they will leave here sobered up, but with no hangover. And I thought, oh, that's good. I'm gonna say it just like that. Be here next week. Let's not stray away from these tough subjects. Let's learn as a church how to have purpose and holiness. Amen. All right, let's do another one. Singleness and dating is a journey, and along the way, it's so easy to crash. Especially when it comes to the dating part of this. And so let me start by saying this. Um, if you are here, and you are being serious about those first two guardrails of purpose and holiness, 
And by the way, uh, holiness doesn't mean that you're going to get it perfect. It means you're pursuing the perfecter. You're pursuing Jesus. You're doing your best to fix your eyes on Jesus to, to fall forward and move forward. If you are here and you've got those two, God rails up. We want you to meet someone here. It's a great place to meet. If you have those first two, God rails up. It is a great place to meet somebody. Let's also be real. The dating world can be awkward. The dating world can lead to a lot of difficult conversations and gossip and insecurity and all of that. And so two God rails for dating. If that is you, if you are ready to, to meet somebody here and, and we honor that and we pursue that, I need you to memorize Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Memorize it this week, that's your homework. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. I need us to learn the Godrail of clarity. Clarity is so important today. It's becoming exponentially harder to be clear as the world just becomes more and more confusing. What we need is clarity. So like if there's somebody and your desire is to take them on a date, we need you to say, hey, I would like to, if you're up for it, take you on a date. You understand? And then when you get to the end of that date, let me give you two things you can say. Hey, I really enjoyed spending time with you today. I don't see um, this heading anywhere else, and so I, I'm not interested, but I would just wanna value your time and let you know I'm thankful that we got to do this. That's number one. Number two is this. Hey, I really enjoyed spending time with you today. I could see this going somewhere. If you would be interested, I would love to go on a second date with you. Two options that are very different. What do they both have in common? Clarity. It may not be the answer the other person wanted to hear. At least they don't have to spend the next three weeks wondering about it. Men, let's talk for a second. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Back to Genesis 3. There's this haunting passage where Eve takes the, the, from the tree and it says, and then she gives it to her husband who was with her. And you get the picture of, of, of Adam just being caught in this like weird cloud of apathy. Where I, I just picture him just like, hey, I don't think, Maybe we're supposed to, God said, don't do that. She's like, what did you say? And he's like, oh, no, nothing, nothing. It's, it's great, I'm cool, I'm cool. <laughs> From the beginning, apathy has been something that has taken us down. The biblical strategy, men, is to learn how to speak with clarity. It's not easy and it's not always comfortable, but it's a God rail for singleness and dating. But there's another guardrail you can have clarity and still crash. You need to learn how to add kindness to that clarity. Because I'll hear this, people say like, well, you know, clarity is kindness. And it's like, not the way you just did it, bro. <laughs> like there was nothing kind about how you just said that. You know it can be both, right? Jesus is the, the master at this. He would say things like, hey, I love you so much. Also, this thing that you're doing is destroying your life and I need to tell you about it. But hey, let's go get some dinner. Let's sit down at the table together. And, and so with both clarity and kindness, we can move forward. If you need even more practical, sandwich it. Kindness, clarity, kindness. Give them a compliment, not a generic compliment, not you're so great. Pick out something specific to them that you appreciate about them and tell them. And then be clear about where you stand and then get back to the kindness. If we can learn to operate with both clarity and kindness, like the amount of 
meetings that would save us is insane. Like the amount of baggage that that would remove from this church as we try to continue to make heaven more crowded to, to gather clarity and kindness. And let's be real, it's hard, man. Uh, like I've made mistakes on both sides of this in lots of different arenas of my life. It's hard, and so let's also have grace for each other. Let's have patience for each other, but let's push each other towards clarity and kindness. It's one of the reasons why I, I get up here a lot and say like, hey, so marriage is not something that I am interested in, and so I'm, I'm flattered, but it's not for me. And so many of you go, we get that, Ryan. Like you say that like a million times, but it's like, yeah, but I'm trying to be clear. I wanna move forward with clarity and kindness so that we can work together to make heaven more crowded. Clarity, kindness, get your two God rails up. Make sense? All right, let's go one more. Singleness and dating is such a journey. And it's so easy to, to fall to the left and, and to the right. And I, I think one of the things that happens is, especially if it's rejection that you feel or uh, like a hard breakup or when things don't go your way, man, it hurts. How's the saying go? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words just hurt so much more. <laughs> is that it? Something like that. It hurts, man. And uh, along the way, it can be really easy to, to give up. And I just feel like for this last point, what I need to say is if marriage is something that you um, desire in your life, but you've been sidelining your, yourself from it because of a of past hurt, it may be time to step back up and, and get some confidence back in your life. I love how, how the writer of Hebrews talks about confidence. Hebrews thirteen six. so we say with, what's the word? The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Hello, I say we bring that back. You get rejected by someone, mere mortal. <laughs> what can they do to me? No, but for real, the, the writer also says that we have a great high priest who knows in every way how we feel. So let me say this, if you have been rejected, Jesus knows how it feels to be rejected. Jesus gets rejected all the time. There's like podcasts and YouTube channels that are devoted to rejecting him on repeat. Hey, he knows how you feel. If it was bad breakup, maybe it was betrayal, can I just remind you that one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his 12 disciples, after three and a half years of doing ministry together, just goes, nope, I'm gonna betray you for a couple pieces of silver. Jesus knows how you feel. I know that doesn't make it easier but it is a call to, to get back up if it's something that you pursue and put your God rail of confidence back up to get back in the game. But confidence is great. Like I, I feel like in the last decade or so, we've started to realize how important that is. And so now the call is always like, so you gotta be confident, you gotta be confident. Look yourself in the mirror and say, yes, you can. You've got this. Go have a great day. And I'm all for that self-confidence as long as we couple it with self-awareness. The other guardrail is awareness. I'll say it this way. Sit down with, the, with guys who will be like, ah, I'm so frustrated with the dating world. Like, she's just not out there for me, man. And I'll say, okay, well, do you know, like, do you know what you're looking for? Do you know what you want? And they'll go, oh yeah, I've got a list. They'll pull out like an Excel spreadsheet. You know, it's like spiritual category, physical category, emotional category, financial category. They'll like give me the rundown of what they're looking for. And when they say it, Here's what I'm thinking. So I don't say what I'm about to say, 
I ask them leading questions to help them get to this point. What I'm thinking is, okay, this guy's got a lot of confidence. That's great. If that woman she, he just explained exists, why on earth would she be interested in him? I don't say it. No, 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 no. I don't say it. I think it. I help them reach that conclusion on their own. Self-confidence is great, but we also have to have awareness. We have to know who we are. And it's like, hey, it might be time to, to spend a little less time making that Excel spreadsheet and spend a little bit more time working on yourself. Spend a little bit more time working on your own substance. Spend a little bit more time becoming the type of person the person you wanna be with would wanna be with. Confidence and awareness, awareness and confidence. King David, one of the, the most confident men in the, the world, but that's not why he's called a man after God's own heart. I believe it's the awareness, because he wrote things like this, Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. See if there's any blind spots in my heart. See if there's any places where I'm lacking awareness and lead me in the way everlasting. David was an open book in front of God, going, I wanna be aware. I, I, I wanna lead with confidence and I wanna lead with awareness. And, and so I wonder if the call today for, for some of you is to get back up and get in the game and, and with confidence. For others of you, the God really need to focus on this week is that awareness piece. Say it like this, Doug and I grew up watching sports every single night. We love sports, still do. Football, basketball, baseball, golf, doesn't matter. Even if there was nothing else on, we would watch NASCAR. <laughs> Number 24, Jeff Gordon, we cheer for him. Now, I don't know much about it, but I, I watched it enough to pick up on uh, where the strategy comes into play is what we call the pit stop. Because see, they don't have enough uh, fuel to get all the way through and finish the race. And so you have to decide strategically throughout the race when you're gonna stop to, to fill up and when you stop, if you're gonna get two new tires or four new tires or just go as is, right? Because the, the, the less time you spend in the pit, the more time you're out racing. However, the less time you spend in the pit, the worse your car is. And so you make, they make two mistakes, right? The first is just to go, we don't need a pit stop. Let's just, let's just go through and win the race, but then they run out of fuel or their car's not aligned perfectly, so they start to lose ground. The second mistake they make, though, is to spend too much time in the pit stop, making sure the car is perfect before they get out there, and they forget that there's a race going on. Now, when it comes to awareness, I think we make the same two mistakes, spiritually speaking. The first is thinking, oh, I, don't, I don't need that stuff. Uh, search me out with Psalm 139, get it, get it, I, I'm, I'm fine. Like, like therapy for an hour? You know how much work I could do on my business in that hour? And a hundred dollars? I'm gonna turn that hundred dollars into a hundred thousand dollars and then retire when I'm 45. And it's like great, except you completely missed the whole inner journey along the way. And so you retire and you have your party and then tragically find out that golf and fun on the beach can sustain you for about 10 days before you realize just how much of your identity you put in what you're doing instead of who you're becoming. Awareness is so important. Taking pit stops along the way. Praying, God, would you search me? 
getting in a group next week, surrounding yourself with like-minded people who will help you point out your blind spots, who will help point out your blind spots to you. It's so important. It's so much a part of this. And as a general rule of thumb, the more you're scoffing at this point, the more you need it. C.S. Lewis wrote this haunting book called The Screwtape Letters, which is a uh, made-up story about a very real reality. It's two demons talking to each other, and the one is giving the other advice about how to take us down, how to take humans down. He says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. In other words, just tell them they don't need pit stops. They're the one exception to the rule. They can make it. Except you can't. And eventually it catches up to you. I, people, I, I, I hear like, oh, that affair came out of nowhere. That bad mistake I made, I came out of nowhere. And with all due respect, it's like, no, no, it didn't. It was day after day, month after month, year after year of refusing to stop. Refusing to ask questions, refusing to let other people into your life, refusing to, to get around a, a paid professional and let them dig. My counselor, who I love dearly, is here today. I would not be able to, to be on the stage doing this without him. I love him dearly. It's so important that, that we learn how, how, how to, to take time to stop and let God work in our lives. That's the first mistake we make. The second is, it's weird how the enemy works. The pit stop actually becomes a comfort zone for us. And we become that race car driver who, who is just in the pit all the time. Like, make it perfect. Make sure it's perfect. Make sure it's perfect. And we forget that there's a race. We forget that, that, that we're, we're, we're losing time. And it's this weird uh, tension that you have to learn how to manage, especially when it comes to singleness and dating, that it takes confidence and awareness. There's times where it's time to stop and go to the pit stop, and there's other times where it's time to get back up on your feet and get out and run your race. The writer of Hebrews says it so well in Hebrews 12, verses one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's all the pit stop stuff. That's all the awareness stuff. And then he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's always been both, hasn't it? It's always been the inner work and the outer work. Let us run with confidence the race marked out for us. And if you get nothing else from today, get Hebrews 12 and verse two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. To the single person who feels lonely today, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. To the single person who's ready to take a step and get back into the dating game but is scared to death, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. For the couple who's ready to, to get engaged, ready to get married but you're terrified, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. It's always, always gonna be imperfect people, two imperfect people coming together, pursuing a perfect God. And as you pursue that perfect God, you get closer together. It's this beautiful thing called marriage that God honors and God blesses. For the married couple that's a few years into this and you're like, how are we gonna make it? 
the rest of our lives, you fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. To the couple that's been married for decades and now life looks a lot different. Maybe you've got an empty nest now and you're, you're wondering what's next and everything starts to feel different. You fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith who says, hey, we got plans for you. Oh, you're just getting started. Some of those dreams that you had to put aside for, for 18 years, it's time to come back at them, this time with a whole lot of wisdom and a whole lot of ability and a whole lot of time to go make heaven more crowded. Church, wherever you stand, we fix our eyes on where we're heading. The wedding supper of the lamb. I bet you've been to some good weddings. They pale in comparison. They're great, we honor them. They pale in comparison to what's coming. That's what we're working towards, church. Let's invite as many people as we can to it. And when it comes to singleness and dating, let's pursue it with purpose and holiness, with clarity and kindness, with confidence and awareness, amen? If you guys stand to your feet, I wanna pray a prayer for you. And as I do, I'm gonna ask two questions. In just a second, I'm gonna, gonna ask, um, I just feel like maybe there's somebody in the room, somebody up in overflow, somebody watching this on, online, who, who first and foremost goes, hey, I wanna be at that wedding. You're invited, that's the really good news. The only invitation is surrender. The only invitation is getting off the throne and putting Jesus on it. The only invitation is going, I couldn't make it up the mountain on my own, but I need you, Jesus. So in just a second, I'll give you a chance to, to respond just by raising your hand and praying a quick prayer with you. But then the second question I'm gonna ask is for anybody who feels lonely in this place. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand for that, just for your own privacy. You just put your hands right here and open them in front of you when I ask, and I, uh, it's a place of surrender, it's a place of receiving, and I wanna pray a blessing over you. So everybody close your eyes, bow your head. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for relationships, God. We thank you that we're in this together. Even though it's tough sometimes, even though it's difficult sometimes, we're here and we're in this together, Lord. And so we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would bless our relationships. And Father, for the person in the room right, right now who is ready to say, I wanna be at that wedding supper of the Lamb. I, I, I wanna be there partying and toasting and roasting with everybody else. Uh, I wanna go help make heaven more crowded for the rest of my life. Just boldly put your hand up in the air. I wanna pray with you. And as you do, just pray, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the ways that I've strayed. And I wanna make you the Lord of my life. And so would you take the throne? Would you take the throne? And would you reign in my life as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords? And now to the lonely one in the room, the lonely one watching up in overflow, the lonely one watching online, just in a place of privacy, just put your hands out in, in, in front of you. You're watching this on your couch right now, feeling like there's nobody else who understands you. Just put your hands out in front of you and receive this blessing. Lord, you see them. <laughs> Lord, you see them. You know them. You have a plan and a purpose for their life. And Father God, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would meet them right where they're at that you would remind them that you love them. You would remind them that you are with them, that you would remind them that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us, that they are not alone, that they are never alone. Surround them with who you are, Lord. 
for the one who has felt like marriage is just that thing that they can't get to, but they desire it so much. Would you download in their spirit right now that even when they can't see it, you're working. And even though they don't know how it's gonna happen, you're going to make a way. And as we fix our attention and our worship towards you, King Jesus, I pray that you would make a way. I pray for marriages in this place. Lord, I pray for God-honoring families in this place. Lord, I pray that you would raise up a generation that says with holiness and with purpose, we pursue marriage, we pursue having a family, and we pursue building the kingdom with a biblical mindset. In Jesus' name, Red Rocks Church, let's worship.